I can't see it from here, but if you look down at the cemetery, you can see we have a tent set up. Yesterday we had a funeral for a young man, Ismael Bautista. He was 32, and please keep that family in your prayers. It's the third uh, funeral for a member of that family we've had in two weeks. They've, they've had a rough time, so please keep them in your prayers. Right outside of where that tent is, you'll see a headstone that says leather, and it's Doris Winslow leather, and she passed away five years ago today. And I remember that day vividly because <laughs> I got the emergency call on, it was a Sunday, just like today, and I got the emergency call, I want to say at like 7.30, and it was one of those days where it had been like insane, going crazy, you know, like just all sorts of stuff all day long, and I wasn't feeling great, and I made chicken soup and a hot toddy, and I sat down at the table, and it was literally one of those things, like I was just scooping it up, and the phone rang, and I just set it down, and I got it. And I found out about Doris in the hospital. And at the time, I lived over on Colony Road. So I was able to be in there with them within about 10 minutes. I mean, I was right, right there. And before Doris had died and since, her husband Walter clearly, by all of his actions, his words, by just the way that he was in her presence, showed you that this is a man who loves his wife. I know that for the last couple of months, as things have just been so different, he hasn't been able to come out as much, but for a long time, you could count on every single day as you would drive by the cemetery at one point or another, he would be out there by the headstone of Doris praying for her, and just like I said, just showing that devotion for her. And I've seen it in other people too, especially, it's just funny, it's like a lot of widowers who just show that devotion to their beloved. There's one that Later on today, you'll see at the end of Mass, John Bachman's going to leave early. It's not because he's going to get coffee. He's taking communion to one of our newer parishioners who's 99 years old, who's rather recently in the parish. Uh, he lived up in Ohio for a long time. His wife passed away a few years ago, and I got to go see him on Monday. And I've seen him a few times, but he was married for 62 years. And the way that he speaks about his wife I just wish I could have gotten to know her. You know, it's just such a beautiful thing in the way that he expresses that love for her. And I bring these up because I think the way that we speak about different things shows how important they are or how unnecessary they are and can draw others into something deeper, something beautiful, something lasting. Like I said, I was blessed to know Doris Leather and to see the way that she and Walter interacted and to see the way that he continues to be devoted to her. I didn't know uh, Mr. Kenevy, who's who John's going to go see later. I didn't know his wife. Like I said, I wish I did get to know her. And there are, of course, you know, people who, with their loved ones, with their spouses, with their parents, with their children, their nieces and nephews, you, know, you can just see that, and it's almost like you want to be a part of that love. Well, as we meditated on last week, we have the first commandment about, you know, we shall have no other gods besides the God of Israel, right? Besides our heavenly fathers. Jesus told us, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. The second commandment is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, out of that love of God from that first commandment comes the way that we speak about him, the way 
that we show our devotion to him in our day-to-day life. You know, we have the second commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The way that we speak about God, the way that we speak about our faith is a really important thing. And I would say in the same way that you know, Walter shows his love for Doris, that Martin shows the love of his wife who has passed away, the way that we strive to show what's important in our life, the people in our life, it's just as, if not more important, that we show by our actions and our words the love of our faith, the love of God in our midst, and not taking him for granted. Now, just like last week, I told you about you know, the, the reading assignment from the Catechism on the first commandment. In fact, I think Michael posted yesterday the link to the section of the Catechism on the first commandment. Well, today, the second commandment section is paragraphs 2142 to 2167. It's a shorter section there. But it goes into talk about blasphemy, about talk of honoring, you know, like living up to our oaths or our vows. If we ever bring God in to witness something that we're saying, that we have got to make sure that we follow up on it, that we never call God to witness a lie. That's never a good thing. And in fact, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Anything else is from the devil. But basically to recognize the fact that we are called, as we imitate the truth incarnate, Jesus Christ himself, to always tell the truth. I think one of the hardest things about our current age, what we're going through right now, is that we have that, uh, you know, we talk about fake news, right? You know, you have this idea of people misleading others for one reason or another. And the chaos that that causes and the disruption to life and just the confusion where our God is a God of clarity who wants us to know what he's about, who wants us to what? To have a straight path to him. And confusion and obfuscations and all sorts of different things that you know, make, make it harder and harder to live in life, that, that isn't something we should be a part of. We should always strive to tell the truth. But as I kind of talked about, you know, Walter and, and Martin, these, these beautiful widowers who love their wives, I would say it's an important thing for us to take the time to examine our day-to-day lives and ask the question, do I show that kind of love to my Heavenly Father? Do I show that kind of love to God? Do I show by the way that I speak that I have hope? That I know that God is currently loving me into existence. That I'm doing what it tells us all over the readings today. You know, comfort. Bring comfort to my people. And that doesn't just mean buying them a Snuggie for Christmas, right? Wasn't it a Snuggie? Was that the thing that was like a blanket, sweatshirt combination? I mean, the things we come up with are really impressive when you think about it. But, you know, those things wear out. Or if it's microfiber, it's, I don't know, it's like oddly comfortable. It's like saccharine sweet like this is unnaturally uh, you know comfortable or sweet like those things don't last they don't ultimately fulfill us what is the true comfort that we have is that which is given to us by god it's the fact of knowing that he who has existed from all time he who is and was and is to come you know jesus christ entering into all of this with us it is because of him that we have ultimate comfort. And so the question is, when I'm using my language from day to day, 
does it show that? When I speak about him, is there a loving reverence that would draw other people into that love? Because the, the reality is, as much as I appreciate and, and for, it just I, I love the example of Walter and Doris. I mean, it's such a beautiful thing. I mean, think about the opposite. When you hear a guy say about his wife, ah, the old ball and chain, it's like, okay, yeah, thanks, buddy. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't really inspire you to live out your vocation, right? But the beautiful thing about these wonderful widowers is that, honestly, it inspires me to be a better priest. It's like I have my beloved, the church. I have Jesus Christ. I have all of you because of their fidelity, because of the way in which they speak about their beloved. I want to love more, too. And what I would say is, in our day-to-day life, when we go out there, when we speak, do people know that we're in love? Do they know that we're in love with God? Are we able to be like John the Baptist out there in our current modern wilderness? You know, it's so full of darkness and despair and confusion and all of this. Can we go out there? And never take the name of the Lord in vain, right? Never in our anger utter the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But to make sure that when we do speak about him, it is in reverence, it is in love in such a way that brings the light of love into the darkness of our fallen world. I mean, just like we're called, you know, in the midst of this time to prepare the way of the Lord, to look at our own lives, to look also, I would say, at what we listen to. Does any of the music, the movies, you know, just the entertainment that we take in, do they take the name of the Lord flippantly? Is it just kind of thrown around? And I'll tell you something that kind of smacked me upside of the head recently. Um, I've never really been that worried about cussing until <laughs> I heard something recently. And it was a talk in some like deliverance ministries about like four-letter words, right? Being the language of hell. I thought, wow, that's a that's a tough thing to think about. But it's true when you think about it. I mean, what are they saying down there below in the midst of tearing each other apart and just, you know, hatred going on? It's that kind of language. Why do we consider it necessary sometimes to bring those things in? And I'll tell you, I'm guilty as well. Although, quick trick just to tell you about. Um, when I was in seminary, I had a great fear of letting my, at times, locker room talk pop out of my mouth. Especially, can you imagine being at the altar and I accidentally tip something over and all of a sudden I say, you know, like something terrible. That would be atrocious. But it's like when you stub your toe, something's got to come out, right? So I trained myself a long time ago that when that happens, I say the word crumb, okay? And if it's really bad, like if I totally stub my toe and I need two syllables, I say crumb cake. So I have something else to come out rather than, a four-letter word, rather than the name of God Almighty. That really the way that we speak has an effect on those around us. And take the time this week, look at Catechism uh, paragraphs 2142 to 2167. Look at the way that the church tells us to meditate on the very name of our Lord. Just like Walter Leather would never say the name of his beloved Doris in anger or frustration, right? We cannot do that with our Lord's name. In fact, we're called to make sure that when we do speak about him, 
It's in such a way like Isaiah is talking about, to bring comfort to my people. As St. Peter talks about the conclusion of, of his letter, to bring them peace, to prepare the way of the Lord, to make sure that our hearts more and more are in love with him who has entered into all of this with us. Remember this, when he entered in on that Christmas night, right, when he was born in Bethlehem in a stable, it was cold. <laughs> Look at us, right, okay? We know that he entered into an imperfect and fallen world, and yet he didn't abandon us to it. Be it the cold, be it the sin, be it the sarcasm, be it the cynicism, be it whatever, truth himself entered into all of this with us. The important call for us is that we embrace him, that we prepare the way for him into our hearts, and then out of our hearts, out of that love for God, we speak the truth. We speak our love and our devotion for him. We utter the very name of he who came to save us, Jesus Christ, to comfort his people, to prepare the way for him to come into our hearts and help him to come into others' hearts as well. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.